this is really a series in the book, the New Testament book of Philippians. Philippians is a, what we call a Pauline epistle, a letter written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. And uh, it was written to a church, ancient church in Philippi. There's nothing there now, but um, kind of disappointed when I saw it. It was just ruins, uh, mainly poppy, poppy seeds, poppy flowers. Um, I guess seeds too, huh? Um, anyway, uh, it, you know, and it, when you, if you ever get the opportunity, if you've ever seen Ephesus, for instance, that will um, that'll bring you to your knees. That's quite, that, the ruins are just amazing. You can still see that ancient city and so forth. Ephesus, I mean, Philippi, not so much. But uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to this young, fledgling church. He had, helped, he had been there. He had helped getting it started. And this is a letter that he writes from Rome and uh, to kind of encourage him. And you know, I don't know if you're like this, but in the Bible, uh, there's, there's certain parts of the Bible that, that uh, obviously I love all the Bible, but there are certain things that capture my, my attention, which is hard to do, um, more than others. And um, David is one. David is one of the guys, and you've heard me talk, he's kind of, he's kind of, I've got to be careful how I say that these days, he's kind of my guy. And... Um, I just really like who he is, and he was a big screw-up, and I'm a big screw-up, and I can just really relate to screw-ups. So, so I, me and David are, are buds. Um, Peter's another guy I like. But the book of Philippians, it, it took me several years to realize this. Keep in mind, the book of Philippians, this is the first New Testament epistle that I was drawn to uh, when I was in school studying for the ministry. And when I had to give what they called a senior sermon, in other words, you're about ready to graduate and go out into the mean old world of church, um, and I'm a little older at that point, so I know what the mean old world of church is like. I only say that uh, with a little bit of hyperbole. Um, that you have to give a message uh, that, you, that you, you, you construct yourself, and you deliver that to your professors. Now, you know, you're not talking to very many people, 20, 25 people, um, but they're all your professors. It's intimidating as heck. And um, so uh, the first place I went was the book of Philippians, and uh, worked pretty well. And so it took me several years to realize why I'm drawn to the book of Philippians. Philippians, the book, is about joy. That's the theme of the book. Joy, I'm going to use it loosely, happiness, fun. Um, it, it, that's the theme of the book of Philippians. And I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of a fun guy. My title is the pastor of fun and hanging out in golf. And um, um, it, it, so we, we, are, we, we tend to be drawn to those things that, you know, kind of capture our personality and, and who we are, and, and that's the case with me with Philippians. So, so when we asked, the guys asked me for a, a series title, I said, well, it's about joy. And uh, so that's what it is. It's just, it's just about joy. And let me, let me explain to you what I mean by that. We're going to, in the next six weeks, I'm going to be able to have the opportunity to talk to you about uh, this whole thing of joy six different ways. Six different ways. I can do it with two hands. Um, Today, joy in community. I'll explain that more in a minute. Uh, number two, joy in bad circumstances. We, is that possible? We're going to talk about that. Uh, number three, joy in... Get this. This is kind of weird. Weird, weird. weird wording here. Joy in selflessness. There's really joy in selflessness? Isn't it more fun to be selfish and, you know, everything in the world revolve around me? Well, we're going to talk about that. Um, number four, joy in imperfections. We all have imperfections about us. Is there joy in that? Number five, joy in peace of mind. Is there really joy? I think that probably that's more obvious there. Is there joy, happiness, whatever, in, in having peace of mind? Yeah, you bet there is. How do I, how do I, how do I achieve that? 
And then the last one is just strength, having some strength in your life. We're talking character. We're talking spiritual strength, emotional strength, having some strength in my life. Is, is there joy in that? There is. So we're going to talk about all, all six of those things over the next six weeks. And um, today we're talking about community. That's, the, that's kind of a, a new, this is going to sound weird, that's, that's not like a new word, sort of, community. Other terms, other, other cultures in our country, we've called that having fellowship with other people, or, or, or some cases it's friendship, some cases it's relationships. Sometimes now it's just sort of hanging out. You know, terminology changes, for instance. Clay, I didn't hear all the announcements this time, but in the earlier service, he, did he talk about the play date for the kids thing? Did he mention that? I, we got to be, Charlene, I got to be the only couple in America that raised two kids that never had a play date. Never had a play date. They played a lot. We didn't have play dates back then. Okay, just, just go play, you know? Obviously, it, it, the culture has changed and it really didn't affect. Only one of my kids goes all the time, but uh, for the most part, they're pretty normal. Um, the culture obviously has changed terminology. And I'm sure we had something that might be called playdates. And um, the same thing with this word community. Now we call it living in community. It really means having friends that are more than friends and have some, some richness, some deepness to that relationship. C.S. Lewis already had an argument about this quote this morning. Great argument. I love to argue. Um, C.S. Lewis said this, Friendship is unnecessary. Like philosophy, like art, it has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things that give value to survival. I've used that before. It's a great quote. My friend this morning says, I don't, I don't agree with that. He says, you can't, you can't live without friendship. I said, listen. I'm trying to quit calling names to my friends. But I said, listen. I said, you can't, I, when's the last time you, you read an obituary and a guy died because he didn't have any friends? You know? Now, my, my, the point is, we both, we're both making the same point. He's like, is life really worth living without, without friends and without art? And, and I'm like, I don't think so. But that people still survive. At least they live and breathe and so forth. C.S. Lewis's point is, friendship is unnecessary. It's like philosophy, like art. has no survival value. Rather, it's one of those things, though, that give value to survival. And I just say, that's just so true. That's so true. So the big question then, is there really joy? And I want to just deal with this very quickly. Is there really joy in community? And, the, of course, the answer is not yes, but heck yes. Absolutely, there is joy in community. And, and, and be careful here because in a crowd like you, many people are, are, are going to overanalyze the word joy. And they say, do you mean happy? Do you mean... And listen, here's that, just so you know where I'm coming from. By the way, I, I got the dic- dictionary definitions. I got them here. But... Um, from Merriam-Webster, and, and the difference that Merriam-Webster gives between joy and happiness is really only slight. Um, in fact, I kind of disagree with it, but I mean, how do you disagree with Merriam-Webster Dictionary, you know? Um, my point is this. I'm using the word joy very loosely, very generically, very generally, and very uh, uh, liberally, okay? And when I was talking about having joy, I'm talking about having, having happiness, having fun, having fulfillment. That's how I'm using it. You may disagree with my definition, and that's fine, but that, I want you to know where I'm coming from so you, don't, so you don't think I'm saying something that I'm not. That's where I'm coming from. Um, using it liberally, generally, you know, having some joy, having some, fulfill, some fulfillment, having some happiness, having a little fun along the way. Let's talk about people. Community. You know, sometimes there are people you meet in life, you just click. 
You just click. I'm, several years ago, I was getting the church started in, in Vail, and um, um, I was also having to work another job because the church was really small and they couldn't pay a pastor very much. <laughs> and, you know, they have the, I'm addicted to this thing called eating. Anyway, um, supporting a family and so forth. And so um, I was working, the only thing I really knew, was, which was radio business, broadcasting business, which is what I did for years before I went back to school to stay for the ministry. And I ended up being small town, small town radio. Um, I was the general, I did the morning show, and then, then I was also the GM, general manager, which means after the show I'd have to go out and either help our salespeople. You ever want to try to sell something hard? Try to sell time. I mean, you're selling time on a radio station. What is that? Well, we're going to give you a 30-second spot. We're going to give you 50 of them for so much dollars, and we're going to, we're going to bring a lot of business in here. Yeah, I mean, I mean you've got to really sell, baby. I'm going to tell you what. And, and so I'm going down to a, a secondary market where our signal gets into, but just barely, because we've got to get some more advertising revenue. And my job as a GM was to try to increase the revenue. And so I'm going to Glenwood Springs, about an hour from, from Vail. And I've had a horrible day. I tried to hire a couple people, and none of them wanted to work for us because we weren't paying enough. And uh, uh, it was just a horrible day. I, I had a couple sales, a couple advertising clients that we had that I was trying to, you know, drum up their business. Didn't, didn't get that drum up. So it was toward the end of the day, I was really ticked, really ticked, just one of those days. And there was this one guy who, who he was like, what you call an agency, small agency in a small town. He controlled five or six of the different car dealers and other businesses that advertised, bank and so forth. And that, that's not a lot, but for a small, small community, that was a lot of money for us. And we've never been able to crack this guy. So, and I'd heard that he was kind of a jerk and all this other kind of stuff. So anyway, I have a bad day. I go, I'm ready to leave. I, go, I drive by where, I, where his office is. I just heard, I'd never been there. And I thought, oh, this is his office. So I just stopped. I said, what the heck? I'm just going, you know, I'm... I'm ticked. Well, what, what, what else can I do? Damage today. So I, I knocked on his door. I was expecting a big hoo-ha. It wasn't. It was a one-horse operation. And um, I walked in, and I said, um, he said, who are you? I said, hey, I'm Rich Teeters, GM at uh, K-Light, and uh, I'm looking for John so-and-so. And he says, that's me. What do you want? I said, I'm here to see if you're as big of a jerk as I heard you are. That is not sales. I mean, I, 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 I really did this. I really did this. I really didn't care at that point. I didn't think I was going to get this business anyway. You know what? He looked at me, he smiled, and he said, I sure am. We became instant friends. Don't, by the way, if you're in sales, that it don't, you're never going to find that in a sales course. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Only a guy at the end of the day, no alcohol was involved, just really ticked. <laughs> and uh, so, so we became instant friends. And obviously the business followed and so forth and so on. And we became, we stayed friends for years and years and years. Still hear from him every now and then. But it's one of those relationships and you've, you've had, you just click, boom. Can't explain it. It's just one of those things. Inexplicable, all right? Now, there are other people. And I'm going to try to be kind about this. In fact, I wrote it down so I could say it the right way. Sometimes with some people it takes more of an acquired taste. If you know what I mean by that. It, it, you, you have to learn to really appreciate who they are and so forth. And um, um, that's, that's, those are important people too. I don't care which one it is. When we talk about having community, we need people in our life from whom there is that connection, whether it is instant or whether it has been acquired over a period of time. 
That's exactly what happens when we look at the Apostle Paul talking to these people at this ancient church, writing to them, I should say, at this ancient church in Philippi. And look, look what he says here. This is Philippians chapter 1. Uh, we're just going to read a few verses, verses 3 and 4. Watch this first part. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Stop there. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Got any people like that in your life? Every time you think of them, you think, well, Lord, thank you for that person. Thank you for what they've meant to me. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of people like that. There needs to be more than just your wife or husband. I hope that they're one of them. Um, there needs to be a few. Every time I think of you, I give thanks. He says, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Skip down a few verses in verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand that what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Well, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. These were incredibly deep and meaningful relationships. And the question I ask the first time and every time I read that verse, especially, and all that follows, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. The question I always ask is, how does one develop that kind of community? How does one develop that? Because I want that. I need that. We all do. There could be 25 ways. There could be 100 ways. I'm going to give you three real simple ones. I'm kind of, kind of rounding up a bunch of them together and giving it to you in one, you know, three, three different shots here. How does one develop this kind of community? The first thing is this. You, you need to be intentional about this. You need, you, and I'm going to say that you meet intentionally. And, and by that I mean this. You get or you ask for help in meeting some like-minded people. Maybe that's with a person you ask. You say, hey, do you know anybody? You know, or maybe that's with somebody you just meet. Maybe you just pray, God, help me to be aware of the people probably already in my life where there is a, some sort of a connection, instant or acquired, and help, us, help me to, to, to pursue that and intentionally start getting together just for the purpose of just getting to know each other and then for the, you know, eventually probably really experiencing some, some real life and some real community together. Sometimes it's a common cause that causes that. Oftentimes people take a mission, short-term missions trip, which are just great. We, we hope to be able to provide some of those in the future. Um, and they, they just kind of connect, and, and some of the relationships last out of that for, for, for a lifetime. Uh, I've taken a, a golf trip a couple, a couple times with some guys around here uh, and, and in the last few years, and there's some great relationships that have been formed out of that. Not all of them, but two or three here and there. You know, it's a common cause or a common thing, and just something develops out of that. That's why you want to give yourself plenty of opportunity and, 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 and look for those opportunities. You need biblical, you need biblical guidance, you know, because you want this to be something that's going to be, it's going to be uh, you know, edifying, it's going to build up and so forth. Um, you want to be able to, you know, talk to each other about Scripture without beating each other over the head with a club, which often happens in church circles. You didn't, you violated Matthew 19, you sinner, you know. We don't need that. We need to be able to confront one another in all honesty, love, and grace. And, and you know, I don't, I don't know how that looks for you. 
Um, it might be the mom. I love we've got a mom's group. People have sent the same, going through the same season of life. And uh, God knows, God bless you. Uh, you. You need help sometimes. You just need somebody to hang with and somebody that, can, somebody that you can talk to that doesn't continue to give you three-year-old questions, you know? I'm more experienced with a three-year-old because my granddaughter now is asking every question known to humankind. The other day we were having corn on the cob, which I love. I could just eat, make a meal out of corn on the cob. I'm from Ohio. That's what you do. You eat corn on the cob. And um, Charlene says, who, you know, some people use these corn holders. They, they put them in the sides of the corn, so, you know, and that's for, you know, and I never do that because I'd go too fast at the corn. And, and so Charlene says, does anybody want corn holders? And I just made one of my typical smart aleck comments. Corn holders are for sissies. And about five minutes later, my three-year-old granddaughter says, looks at her mom, and she says, what's a sissy? She looked at me and she says, ask granddad. <laughs> I had to do a little backpedaling there. Um, moms, moms, young moms sometimes. That's a great group. Sometimes it's, 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 it's guys that are in certain stages of their lives. They, need, they just need somebody else maybe in that stage or has been through that stage or going through that stage or whatever. The point is, you've got to figure this out yourself, but I'm just giving you some ideas to think through here. You know, you, you, you have to be intentional about it, you know? Whether that's once a week or whether that's once a month. I've, I know of, of two or three guys, maybe it's four, I don't, I don't remember. They get together about once every, I think, week or two. They talk about life and God and, and, and the pursuit of, of godliness in their lives. They, they, you know what they do? Some of you are going to like this, but I mean, uh, they'll smoke a cigar and have a glass of wine and just talk about Jesus. Because my mother says, can you do that? I say, yeah, Mom, you really can. But um, she's a Baptist. Um, but, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know, it, it, it's something that really brings some community to these guys. For ladies, it might be something else. It, it could be a number of different things. I'm just going to try to get you thinking on that. It's got to be intentional, meeting intentionally. Number two, it, it means you've got to give. You've got to give relationally. You've got to give relationally. Being a giver relationally, not just simply a taker, where I always come to this group or with these people or we always get together for coffee or whatever, and I'm the one that's always taking. I'm the one that's always got the crisis. I'm the one that's all, you know, sometimes it's, it goes in seasons, but not one person all the time. Sharing your lives, the ups and downs that go along with that. Having an atmosphere of trust, knowing anything goes. I can say anything. I can say anything. But it's not going to go any further. Anything from, gosh, I'm really struggling with my marriage right now. Here's what's going on. And it's not going to be, you know, manifest throughout your town or blabbed to somebody else. But you can just really talk. Well, let's, let's talk. We've been through that or we're going through that or whatever the case might be. Grace has to be exemplified. There has to be trust. And there is no place for judgmentalism. You can't be judgmental. You did what? You know, you've got to leave that stuff at the door. So you, you get intentional about this, you meet, you, you give relationally, you, 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 and you care, gen, you just care genuinely. You just care. I mean, you're willing to go the extra mile to encourage. Attitude that's, that's not, it's not just about me, it's about others as well. You know, and, and it, may, it, may be, it may not be a feel-good experience all the time, but fulfillment does come out of it. It might be something, you know, again, offering suggestions. I know a couple guys who get together once every, I don't know how often it is, they ride the train in together. Not every, not every week, every couple of weeks or so. Get back in a corner where they can talk softly to one another. Of course, of course you know, going in in the morning, you've got to be quiet. And um, 
where they can just share some things with each other. And that's, that's, that's how they've done it. You know some couples that do some other things. They get together with some other couples and so forth. But you've got to be intentional. You've got to give relationally. And you, and you just have to care, genuinely care. Those are the three, three components in one form or another. Let me give you real quick, there are four things here, and I just want to kind of hopefully inspire you a little bit uh, on this whole concept. The joys or the benefits of community. Four of them. There's more than this. I'm going to give you four. One would be encouragement. Let me show you a passage. Encouragement. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that in that day as as the return of Jesus, as as he's saying, as we get closer to the fact that Jesus may come back, and that may or may not be the case, but one or the other is going to happen, either Jesus is going to come back or we're going to go meet, we're going to die, you know. Encouragement is part, that's one of the fun things, to be encouraged. And God knows we need encouragement, don't we? Often. Accountability is another big one. Accountability. James chapter 5, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. I believe he's talking about the sin-sick soul here. I think he's talking about just being broken and and the fact that we need help in our brokenness. That's the healing part. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. It'd be great to have somebody who's in the trenches with you, so to speak, who's praying for you and who knows and has the ability to say in a a spirit of of grace and, 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 and trust, and safety. How are you doing with that problem you've been having of, of, of viewing things that you shouldn't be viewing or of saying things you shouldn't be saying or whatever that might be? Accountability, it's huge. We're all accountable to God, of course. But it's nice also to have somebody in, 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 uh, that, in, you know, that we can see and talk to who loves us and is going to love us no matter what that we can be accountable with as well. Mutual. Influence. One of the joys of community is just the influence, the, the positive influence. Um, let me show you something. Two verses. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three says, Don't be fooled, those who say such things. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's a truth statement, okay? Um, Proverbs puts it this way, chapter 22, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you may learn to be like them and endanger your soul. What the Bible is telling us is hanging out with the wrong kind of people can influence us negatively. You know it. I know it. We've all seen it, not just in teenagers, but other people going through different stages of life, 40s and 50s and 60s and sometimes older, and all of a sudden they start changing because some of the people they're hanging around are kind of Kind of just pull them in that direction. It's just a fact of life, folks. We kind of end up being sort of like those that we spend the most time with. Now, Titus put it in a more, more positive way. He said, in the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. 
So he says, influence is one of the great joys of this thing, that I can have some positive influence in my life because I'm so broken I need it. And so does he or she. We all do. And the uh, fourth thing is strength. Just, just the strength of, of, of others being with me. Watch, this is a neat passage. This is cool. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone falls alone, he's in real trouble. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. How can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Isn't that good? The influence of others around me is just, in the strength that I can gather from this, is just tremendous. So, those four things, very quickly encouragement, accountability, influence, and strength. Thomas More. Great Irish, Irish writer, poet. Love this guy. Don't know much about him. Read only a little bit over the years. He's written some great stuff. The um, thing I like about him most was he, uh, <laughs> he was a writer, 17, 1700s, I believe. And uh, a reviewer was reviewing some of his poetry. That's a true story. And, uh, he, and, and the reviewer gave him a bad review. And, and, and Thomas More <laughs> challenged him to a duel. <laughs> You don't like my poetry? Come on, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you got to love somebody with that kind of passion, right? It's like, you don't like my stuff? Come on out here. We're going to settle this like two men. And uh, somebody broke up the duel uh, and so forth. It never really happened. But, you know, I just love a guy with passion like that. I mean, you know, I don't necessarily recommend having a duel, but, but uh, I love somebody. <laughs> you don't like my stuff? <laughs> the heck with you. Um, but look, well, listen to what he says here. We need people in our lives with whom we can be as open as possible. To have real conversation with people may seem like such a simple, obvious suggestion, but it involves courage and it involves risk. And it really does. Listen, Jesus came, lived, suffered, died, rose again. And when I come to faith, I'm saying, I, I believe he did that for me. I'm accepting, I'm, I'm appropriating the, the forgiveness, the grace that you've offered to me. I believe in that. I'm a follower of yours. That's step one for a follower of Christ. That's, the whole, that's all those steps. But it's kind of cool to me that in this journey of faith, he gives us people who will bless us and to whom we can be a blessing. And have a little fun with along the way. And I want to tell you something. Right now there are people that God has put in your life for that very purpose. Maybe you recognize that. Maybe you don't. But you need to start acting upon that. Because it's going to make your life more full. You say, well, it's going to make it more busy. Well, it may. I don't know about that. I'm talking about the fullness. The enjoyment. Joy. Happiness. A little more fun. You know, you start out by just getting intentional about this. We need to get together. And, 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 and really giving of yourself. You have relationally giving of yourself. And caring. Just genuinely caring. Authenticity is in that. And God's going to bless that. God's going to bless you. He's going to encourage you. It's going to make you stronger.
And you might even have a little fun along the way. I trust that God will take these truths, keep you thinking about them throughout the day and throughout the week, maybe even cause a discussion uh, to which might uh, lead to other things. Let's pray together. Lord God, these, these are important truths. Help us to, to dwell on them, think about them, and then act upon them. We thank you, God, for how you work in all of our lives. I pray especially that we would be sensitive to the Spirit of God as you work in all of our lives as well. Thank you for this time. We pray for your blessing upon each person here, each family they represent. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.